Welcome to Building a Better World, a show about entrepreneurs, executives, and leaders putting profits aside in the pursuit of something more meaningful. In today's episode, we are joined with Jane Myers, the executive director of Trees Charlotte. Trees Charlotte is a nonprofit on a mission to grow, diversify, and steward the city of Charlotte's iconic urban forest. As with many cities around the world, Charlotte's growth is really impacting the urban tree canopy of the surrounding areas. Tree Charlotte has trained volunteers in science-based programs that teach residents about the value of trees and how to plant and care for them. And to learn more about Jane, her story, and eventually Tree Charlotte, we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning to learn about Jane and where she grew up. I was born in Conway. I grew up in Myrtle Beach. My family was actually in the lumber business, <laughs> but that's how we um, gained an appreciation of trees and the outdoors um, because that was part of our family dynamic for years, a couple of generations even. Um, and so I moved to Charlotte uh, shortly after college and largely was in a corporate America thing. but. Um, but yeah, I was just a, I was a tomboy. I was a kid who was out playing sports and being in outdoors and all of that all the time. So this makes a lot of sense where I am now today. Well, and tell me if if my research is correct, there was a giant magnolia tree at your grandparents' house and that, that you loved to climb in. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Both of them. It, um, one set of grandparents, my paternal grandparents were in Conway and they had a huge magnolia tree that we would climb when we'd go visit there. Uh, and my maternal grandparents were in Sumter, South Carolina. Uh, and that was more of a journey to get to. So I think that was more the nuanced, hey, I'm gonna go jump, jump and climb the tree, jump in and climb the magnolia. Yeah. Um, yeah, loved it. And then when I bought my first house in Charlotte, um, there was a big magnolia in the front as well. So my nieces who were like my kids and then my now stepkids, We've all climbed the tree together too. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah. So when you were, were growing up and going to school and doing all of that, did you enjoy school? Were you a, a quote unquote good student? Steve, um, stepkids will hear this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I mean, I was successful. Um, three, ever like a three, two and high school and college-ish, 3-3 three, three in high school, 3-2 in college, but um, we didn't have AP, you know, extra credits back then, and, um, or I didn't, and, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed school sort of, but I loved working more, <laughs> so like yeah. in college when people did semesters abroad, I did a semester internship in D.C. to, to work, um, so I just, I think it's kind of been ingrained for a long time. Of course, well, and, and to go directly to college, how did you do three sports in college at once <laughs> with a full academic load and then apparently internships as well. I mean, how is that even possible? Well, I somehow had the self-awareness. I knew I was a better student as a student athlete. So yeah. more on my plate made me more productive and have better grades, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people, right, the idle hands do the devil's work, right? So um, that was why I went to D3 school and wanted and just walked on. Um, I played soccer. Soccer was in the fall, so that was um, my first, my freshman through junior year. And then I played tennis in the spring, my freshman and sophomore year. And then 
my semester away when I worked with the internship was during spring of tennis season. So when I came back, I was kind of off the ladder and, hey, this is my last time to learn and organize sports. So I played lacrosse for the first time. And all, most of the most of the soccer buddies were also lacrosse players, you know, because that's the fall, the spring. So mm -hmm. it was, it, it was just I know I'm better when I have more on my plate. So yeah, um, yeah. So that's why I did that. And did you play a full load of sports like that in high school as well? Um, yes, <laughs> I love yeah. I love sports. I was uh, and I majored in sport management, um, mm -hmm. which because I love business, that was perfect to the business degree tailored to one of my great passions. I just think sports teach us so much personally about like what you can accomplish, what you're capable of. Um, it's I just I'm a huge fan of you know what that gives people and not to sideline but I totally giving everybody a trophy for participating does not help build people's confidence in themselves um, it's earning and so so yeah I did in, in high school I went to boarding school my last um, two years my junior and senior year uh, St. Mary's in Raleigh and um, it did it only had tennis my junior year but um, my senior year I helped start a soccer team in the spring and a basketball team in the winter so I did play all three sports my senior year and was on student government that year too. <laughs> so. Busy. So, so busy is the recurring theme. <laughs> That's amazing. My family wouldn't concur that that is still the case today. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. So when you graduated from Guilford, did you have a clear idea as to what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go? I know that we'll, we'll get into it. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, the internship in the 1996 Olympics sounded, I mean, like a home run for, for at least your interests at the time. Was yeah. that exactly what you thought that you wanted to do? Or, or what were your thoughts upon graduation? Well, um, initially, I think, um, well, I know it, it, no, I don't think, I mean, I had what we would call BHAGs today, like big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Mm -hmm. um, I. I don't think that I knew specifically what I wanted to do. I was very fortunate to get that internship um, through Bank, well, Nations Bank at the time, Bank of America today, um, and loved doing events. And I think that probably appealed to my busy nature because that's so, like, you have to, when you do events, you have to be so detail oriented. Um, and so I did that a lot early in my career, but you know, my early twenties, I, I remember, you know, when I moved to Charlotte, I worked for Raycom sports and, um, that was how I got here. But I, and then when I was changing jobs after that, I was interviewing with nonprofits and thinking, oh, I want to, I want to run a nonprofit one day. Like that's my goal. And honestly, this is why I laughed when you asked me the question about <laughs> school, because I thought I would need to get an MBA. And I hate, I really do not like school studying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just come clean. I did fine, but I, d I don't, I mean, I love learning, but yeah. on the job learning, not necessarily, um, I, I love learning. I, and one of my quotes is when you stop learning, you start dying. So yeah. that's a lifelong pursuit. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, I, I didn't want to get my MBA, so I was like, well, I'll just do the corporate career thing. And what was wonderful and what I try to tell, you know, my nieces and kids and other kids in my life, stepkids, other kids in my life, is that you just kind of got to trust that 
whatever you're pursuing next is giving you another skill set that prepares you for where you're going to end up. And so, you know, 18 years later, when I'm going to first tee to run a nonprofit, I had done, I'd worked in finance, I'd worked in marketing, and I'd worked in communications, I'd worked in uh, risk, a lot of risk work, um, metrics and things. So like everything involved with running a business and at the end of the day, running a nonprofit, you have to make more money than you spend. You got to raise more money than you spend. That's foundational to any <laughs> any business to be successful. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was really cool to look back and see while I was just following what I wanted to learn next with each career move, at, um, more so at Bank of America, that led that built the framework to be able to do this today. And when you were at Bank of America, I think that, I mean, you answered the, the question I was going to ask right out of the gate of it being such an amazing learning experience, because seeing what everything that, that you had done while you were there, I mean, it seems like that you were putting on a different hat every single day. Um, and, and for lack of better words, that to me seems like pretty much your MBA and what you did right there. Um, and so it, was it a, a formidable experience, you would say, in who you are and what you did today? Absolutely. Um, and I think everything, everything is right. And particularly hard things. One of the expressions I learned at Bank of America um, for one of the leaders there was the growth happens in the groans. So when when things are tough or when you don't know what you're doing and you're figuring it out, that's 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 how you learn. That's when that's how you grow. And that's what matters. Right. Um, but I, the Bank of America was an amazing platform because you know, I'm not, I haven't been there in a long time, but in my tenure, you were encouraged to take a new job every two years. Um, that was viewed as the right way to progress your career, um, to keep learning different things. And so that um, culture, you know, really is conducive to just top talent, people being their best and always, you know, learning and seeking and evolving. Um, and I always forget some of the things, you know, like I did HR too. So it was really, <laughs> I really got a lot of experience, everything except sales, which, <laughs> um, which is most important with the development, fundraising and nonprofit. But, uh -huh. you know, you couch it like I look at it, everything, if you're doing everything the right way and you're running your businesses, you know, and nonprofit the best, you, the best way possible and with all the right accountability um, and the passion then that part follows and and i would also add everything everything has a sale component to mm -hmm. <laughs> to it you know so when i was in hr one of the roles was recruiting it you you're recruiting the bank you're selling the bank and selling the experience and selling someone on their future and their potential um so there's always a sell component to everything but i, I loved that learning ground i was there 14 years it was it was very um impactful and how was it in the 2008, 2009, 2010 time period? Was that just just hanging on for dear life in chaos? Or what was, what was that time? I mean, Bank of America being such an outstanding bank, especially in the Charlotte area here, how was that time period for you? That was so interesting because during that time frame, I was actually working in the back office, the investment bank. Uh, and so I, in, in basically in a, in a near risk department, so managing risk. So it, that was such an interesting time and a learning platform as well. Um, again, like a growth in the groans thing, but, um, you know, I think 
<laughs> that that's such a whole podcast yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what that time frame was like. But you know, I think um, I think we just all looked at it like you know, like just hang on tight because it was such a great company that we were we were going to land because we were doing the right things. Same sort of thing mm -hmm. I'm saying about mm -hmm. fundraising and running a nonprofit. So if you're doing the right things, we were. Bank of America was doing the right things. Uh, and and so relying on that, they managed risk very well, very well. Um, and so I was, so that was huge learning experience for me. And I think I loved that I got to go through that, even though it was, you know, scary at the time and you're kind of, you know, am I gonna have a job? You know, you never know yeah. how, how yeah. low is this. I mean, stock got down to $3 and some change. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, oh my gosh. it was, it was scary, but, um, but yeah, there's like, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, I guess. Of course, of course. And then immediately after, you you took your first nonprofit role. How did you get introduced to the first tee? Had you you didn't play golf in college? Had you played golf previously, or or how did you get introduced to that role in the organization? Sure. I you know growing up, I grew up in Myrtle Beach, it's golf capital uh -huh. of the world. Um, actually, on number eight hole of the Dunes Club, so I. Would, we would go out and hit around and chip around as a middle schooler. Um, I was trying to hang with the boys and um, play. <laughs> and so I would go out and play golf with yeah. them. And, you know, and my dad taught me early on. And in my mid 30s, so towards the end of my bank career, in the last quarter of my bank career, um, you know, it was so it was a lot, it's a lot of stress. Work is, life is. But going out and playing golf, I started playing with my dad just to spend time with him. And, um, and it was so much fun. I fell in love with that sport. I mean, my mouth would like water over the idea of, of going and playing golf. And I think because I didn't have the, pre it was new, even though I learned the basics as a kid, it was new and I didn't have the pressure of, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be good at like, when I go out and play tennis now, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> because I was a college player and all these expectations, right? Self pressure, but golf was fun. And I was outside for five hours instead of being inside, you know, working my, tail off in corporate America, but um, it was fantastic. And so um, a bank colleague um, recommended that I volunteer over there saying they needed, um, they needed um, women in particular to kind of mentor girls that wanted to play golf. And so I, I was looking for something that was more uplifting and, and more investing in the community. Um, I had been involved, involved with kids with my church. I'd always for years, I've always volunteered with kids. Like even in high school, I did summer camp counselor and things mm -hmm. like that. So that um, was kind of a full circle thing for me. And um, and so when I was volunteering there, that was when they were starting their search. Um, and it just kind of felt like the right time to go after it. Uh, it was really like over 200 people applied. And I just was so honored to be given that responsibility of you know such an important mission to impact the lives to empower youth through the game of golf and with you know I really saw it as a lot of the core values that you know they teach you know sportsmanship and respect and integrity all this they're they're less they get less and less <laughs> it feels like and sports help um, instill that and so I wanted to be a part of trying that was my way to try to change the world and I learned a lot I learned a lot I wasn't 
didn't know what I was walking into, um, but I learned a lot in that. And what's been really fun is applying it for Tree Charlotte now. Yeah. All the things I learned. Was it intimidating taking that role? I know obviously you had been, again, getting <laughs> getting your MBA, we'll call it, um, and, and crafting your leadership skills. But that's a big jump um, in, in taking that executive director role. Were you intimidated or was this a, a new challenge for you to conquer and you were you were confident going into it? Yes. <laughs> no, it's both. I mean, yeah. of course I was intimidated because I would not done that, um, but I, I think I knew I could. I just had to be patient with myself and vulnerable and learn and get the right mentors and, and those types of things that helped you. I was very fortunate to have um, started a relationship um, that um, was you know, someone who really believed in me and that helped me believe in myself more. And um, But I had a great board chair who really believed in me and would spend the time kind of coaching me through. But yeah, it's, 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 it, well, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was really hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. when, when you're in, when you're in a bank environment or a big corporate environment, there's not always just one person above you. There's a, a few people <laughs> above you. And with first tea, that was my first experience of, nope, it, you are, you are the, the top and you've got to explain all this to your board members and really understand how all of this works. So it was, it was a, it was a, a very, very cool learning experience. Um, and, and I loved it and I felt very successful over there and, um, you know, gave them 20 weeks notice when it was time to leave. I knew it was time to leave. Um, they were, they were ready to go to the next level and I felt like I'd given all my gifts and, um, and I'd been through every life change in that five years that I was there. It was time for me to take a little break. Um, and then that little break ended up being, uh, COVID. So it was a year and a half instead of six months. But, um, but yeah, it was, I have very fond memories of, of that. And I just love that mission so much. And, um, that they continue to prosper. Well, and the, the fond memory I have to just ask, because I saw the picture of you in what looked like a hockey mask that, <laughs> and, and padded up like a, a true hockey goalie. I wouldn't think that many executive directors would stand out on a driving range and let their students hit them with golf balls. So you you clearly had a good way to connect with people there. <laughs> that was fun. And and invited my um my, it was my fiance's kids, my future stepkids, to take a shot at me as well. <laughs> um, which we they have on video. Extra, uh, extra yeah. hard, probably. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when he was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he was called Velcro Man or something. It wasn't Velcro Man. I forgot his name now. Snag, Snag Man. I think that's what it was. was. Snag Man, because he was. That was the program. It was. Um, yeah, they were not golf balls, they were tennis balls, and so they would stick. And yeah, yeah. That's like, that I loved it, because I would like try and catch them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that appealed to my oh, yeah. competitive nature um, and sports nature, yeah. but um, yeah, that was fun. That, it, it was fun. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and so when did you, you gave obviously a, a, a long 20 weeks notice. Was Tree Charlotte, COVID is in there somewhere as well as you mentioned, was Tree Charlotte already on your radar? When did they start? When when did that come into your vision? Yeah, such a fun and again, how things are supposed to work out. Like if you just trust and do your best, you know. Yeah. Um, but I had um, planned for a six month sabbatical, um, and after the twenty weeks notice, so that 
first he had plenty of time to do a search to backfill me and fortunate to be in that situation a lot of people don't have opportunity to plan for that but um but I really wanted like six months to myself <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that really did it was COVID started right around the, I think it was month five when I finished at the end of September and yeah right at the COVID was March 2020 so it was yeah. October of 2019 that I retired from First Tee and um, then just kind of you know with COVID nobody knew what to do <laughs> as you probably well recall um, and I had not heard of Tree Charlotte, but around the end of 20, it was December of 2020, I was like, okay, I need to really up my search. And um, and I did have some other family things that came in, like my mom got diagnosed with cancer or things like that, that were important that I was available. Again, how it, it was all supposed to work out that way. But um, so it was nice to be available, um, but it was time to go back to work. And I started networking, uh, our first T board member, connected me with a Tree Charlotte board member just saying you need to know Stony Sellers and so I met with him and he's like have you heard of Tree Charlotte I don't, no I have not <laughs> he's like you need to I was actually considering going back to corporate America and he's like I don't think you want to do that even though I'm just meeting you for the first time but that is very Stony <laughs> and um, you need I would like for you to let me send your resume to our board chair we're getting ready to start a search um, because my predecessor Tree Charlotte was able to do what I did and give you know a six-month notice of I'm going to retire and um, and I looked at it like, well, if I haven't heard of Tree Charlotte, and I love our canopy, I'm so proud of all of our trees, it, I bust with pride, or burst with pride, when you meet someone from outside of Charlotte that says, oh, you're from the city with all the trees, or the city that's so green. And I wanted to be a part of preserving that, but if I didn't, if I didn't know about it, then there are a whole lot of other people that I could help raise the awareness and, and hopefully get involved. And, um, really make a meaningful impact for Tree Charlotte. So that was, and then I was fortunate to kind of, I guess, get selected for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will let you, because you'll do a way better job than I will, give us a, <laughs> a, a little spiel on Tree Charlotte, what you all are trying to achieve. I have some numbers written down. Again, I'll, I'll let you lead that charge, but if, if I did not know anything about your organization, the name sums it up pretty quickly. But tell us a little bit about Tree Charlotte, what you all do, and what you're hoping to do. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to. I meant to start with that. This is very, very um, important to raising awareness for Tree Charlotte. And I think trees, so first of all, what Tree Charlotte is. Um, it was started in 2012 and um, with a group, by a group of, maybe a little research was started before that, but it was incorporated in 2012. Um, a lot of a handful of concerned citizens that wanted to um, help help grow our canopy, um, and they worked with the city of Charlotte, um, Foundation for the Carolinas, um, the Knight Foundation, to get going with the mission. And the mission today is to grow, diversify, and steward our iconic urban forest, as well as teach Charlotteans about the value of and care for trees. That's my short version of the <laughs> of the mission. But I think I look at it like there's four action pillars to that, right? So grow is put more trees into our urban forest, diversify with age diversification of species and species diversification um, and where they're planted throughout Charlotte because there is disparity. Um, 
steward or care for. Um, we have a, an immensely in, um, well-recognized uh, mature canopy, established mature canopy, so caring for what we have, but also caring for the trees that we plant. Um, so going back and making sure when we are putting, you know, trees at a school, we're gonna come back and mulch it a year later, two years later, and make sure it's being trained, pruned the right way, things like that. And then teach, which, you know, is probably our biggest opportunity um, because there's so many people, I think, I think with trees, ultimately they're often the background noise, you know, like the white noise in the office building. And we want to make, the analogy I use is we want to make trees the station people dial into the jazz. I like jazz, I'm, I like trees, <laughs> the radio station, not the white noise and, or ambient. Um, because I think it's so easy to forget and take for granted how important they are to our infrastructure and all the value that they provide us, whether it's mental health, physical health, actually air we breathe, <laughs> um, you know, helping with storm, stormwater runoff. Um, they help people drive slower on trees that are street lined, streets that are tree lined. I do that all the time. And, um, and reduce like ADHD symptoms. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. Um, and in particular, the um, heat island effect, great topic on August 1st, because it has been so hot in July. Um, but canopy, a, a rich canopy or a strong canopy can reduce the, the heat index by 10 and 20 degrees, depending. Um, and that's significant. You know, we had met with the scientists said Charlotte had up until like 2020, I think it was, I might not have the dates exactly right, but Charlotte would average five, six days that were over 95 degrees. And their forecast is come come 2040, it, it will probably be 60 days that are over 95 degrees. Wow. Uh, so when you think about areas um, that are, um, the underinvested areas that often have health conditions such as um, asthma, um, heart-related illnesses. These are all um, heat-triggered, you know, illnesses. And so, it's so important to um, to be thoughtful to how we help um, keep communities cool, and uh, literally and figuratively. So um, that's that's really our overview, our mission. We um, we know we've. You know, we've got a, a great canopy. It was our last survey, uh, our canopy assessment was in 2018. Um, and that was the results from that were that we had been at a 49% canopy coverage um, and had come down to about a 45% canopy coverage, which is, you know, around 100,000 trees annually or three football fields a day. It's a significant, significant loss. and. You know, since since that survey, Charlotte has become you know the third in the past year the third fastest major growing city. So it would follow that um, loss is going to continue, of course. Um, but we just got to hope that we're also um, planting, you know, back and really, you know, a little nonprofit like we are can't plant our way out of this. We don't own any land. Um, I think it's you know between city and county, it's like less than like 15 percent ish that i know cities like 10 percent that land that's owned the rest is privately owned so um we've got to get we've got to have an army of citizens an army of charlatans i should say 
that help us do this uh, and think like, hey, if I take out that tree because I don't like raking leaves, <laughs> that, that might matter um, significantly, and it does um, from a compilation perspective. So it's, it's complicated. I thought when I took this job, I'm like, this is gonna be a piece of cake. We just plant trees and <laughs> that's it. And it is so complicated because everybody is a stakeholder. Everybody, everybody's a stakeholder, but everybody has mm -hmm. a different relationship with trees and how we can appeal to moving the dial with, um, with their care, with their investment um, is, is an interesting, I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of a different appeal to every different stakeholder, so, and a way to go about it. So it's, a, it's far more complicated than I thought, but I love it. It's been very rewarding, and um, I'm really excited about how well, how well I feel like it's going and the ways we want to grow. Um, yeah. Exciting, exciting. Well, and the, the immediate question, I guess, would be, you mentioned, um, investing a little bit of, well, an opportunity to get further into education. What areas do you hope to go and where do you see 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, if you can think that far out? Obviously that 50% canopy coverage is a big goal, something you wanna work on. What, what other goals, what things do you see, not even necessarily for Tree Charlotte's success, but for Charlotte's success as a whole, where do you see that going in, in the direction of the organization as well? Yeah, that's a, a lot that's a to word. tackle. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I but the, I appreciate the question. I think, you know, I think first and foremost, you, know, I I would, I would be willing to bet that most businesses, um, people, individuals, families, whatnot, move here because of the beauty, right, and the, yeah. the convenience. Like it's such a it's such a fantastic city, and it's so green and lush and. Um, they're just there's so many wonderful natural elements to it of course we think our trees are the greatest natural element to it but um, but I think helping people be connected with that's why you moved here so be a part of keeping it that way um, and that's a holistic approach um, not just in the simple like don't cut down that tree you know <laughs> um, it needs to be taking into account everything from trash to um, you know composting to you know there's so many different ways that we can be a part of you know but caring for our trees obviously is tree show its priority i think um education wise we want to we did a perception backing up we did a perception study um in march uh, just to get us because we want to because we want to be intentional about growing the awareness about the trees the, the canopy and the tree loss and um, and what tree charlotte is trying to do for our city and we it came back like with a you know plus or minus six percent margin error, but um, like a three percent awareness of wow. like instant recall of, of you know like an unaided awareness three percent of charlatans, you know, and I, I, I'm not surprised because I mean I'm more surprised when I talk to someone who has heard of Tree Charlotte. So so much opportunity for us because. I mean, we give away trees. We plant trees where if people want us to come plant them, there's, there's such an opportunity for us to um, um, grow our brand and be be more impactful for our community. Um, so I think I think you'll see like ways that what we want to try and do from an education perspective is really raising that awareness. 
um, and um, working towards people knowing about Tree Charlotte, knowing about more so about the value, like what trees do for our community, why we need to be thoughtful to protecting them. Um, if they take forethought, you plant a tree, it's going to be 20 years before it's a canopy tree, right? So we often say, you know, our trees, like we don't, in, we don't inherit the earth. Our children don't inherit the earth. We borrow it. They borrow. We borrow it from our children. Sorry, I stumbled mm -hmm. on that one, but um, which is an old pro proverb, Native American proverb. Um, so you know, being thoughtful and, and planned. I know I learned one time, um, New York City's Central Park was planned in like the 1800s. I want to say it was like 1869. It was. I just learned that in the past like year which was astounding to me to think of that kind of forethought but think if that hadn't have happened you know so we've got to start today um and and be thoughtful to it but i think i think it's challenging because it's such a big city there's so much to consider from infrastructure there's so many different influences on it and like i said earlier stakeholders um but to your question of long-term view i think um Best in class in America is considered 40% canopy coverage. Um, so as long as I, I think we want to stay in that, you know, I would love to get to 50%. Um, I definitely think that's a BHAG, a big hairy audacious goal. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, I, there's only so much land. But um, but yeah, I would I would want to pursue that. I, I would love to see um, us with a Tree Charlotte Learning Center that could could be a place where kids can come and learn and have more of a tactile experience and um, or do arbor arboretum walks and um, and then even if it could and this is the 10 year dream but um, if it could evolve into you know helping having arborist training so um, workforce development component um, because there's there's a big need for certified arborists in the city of Charlotte, and it's um, a good living. And um, I think that's if and that that's what my big my BHAG is for Tree Charlotte is learning center and you know arboretum with it, um, and just um, and then the opportunity to help with workforce development for that. Because I think you know people. It's just so easy to be misinformed. And I think what's interesting in North Carolina, and I'm probably sure a lot of states are like this, but you can just have Jane's tree service and charge people to cut limbs off of trees. You don't have to be a certified arborist to do that. And a lot, and it is expensive. Arbor work is expensive. So a lot of people want to, you know, cut the corners on that. And, um, and that's when real problems actually <laughs> come in. So I think, um, I think that piece, like getting people who are truly educated um, in in trees and tree care, would would be a huge lift for our city. Yeah, yeah. And then the the big question, and not, I guess it will be one of my last questions here, is I'm I'm really interested in learning why and and why you do this. You could have, I mean, you mentioned potentially going back to corporate America after the first tea. I mean, who knows if you stayed at, at Bank of America from 2001 to now, where you would be, the money you could be making, the, yeah. the amazing impact there, not saying that it would be a bad job, but I'm really interested as to, to your why, why you chose Trees, not necessarily why you chose Trees Charlotte, but why you want to do something to make an impact and 
and build a better world. Wow. Um, you know, I, I had a different life journey than a lot of people. Um, I would, I feel like anyway, maybe not as much today, but in my generation, um, and I was single for, you know, my twenties and thirties. Um, I didn't get married until 43. So having the space and time of, of the corporate career and commit the level of commitment that's required to, to do that um, was really fun. <laughs> um, and I, you know, it afforded, it afforded a lot. Um, you know, having kids is a lot more expensive lifestyle. And, um, but I was leaving the bank single. <laughs> so it was an easier um, time to make that transition based on how I had personally managed, um, I would say, my, my life and um, the blessings that I've had. Um, but I've always been someone who's was raised to be, you know, philanthropic and that, you know, we are more than what we make that, we, you know, Myrtle Beach was such a, I don't, it might be very different now, but it was such a fantastic community, which surprises a lot of people. I get teased about being from Myrtle Beach a lot, but um, Myrtle Cheese, whatever people want to call it. But I loved it. I had this, I had so many sets of families, like all these separate, like dozens of, of parents, like second parents, you know, and it was such a, an amazing community and, and, and everybody did volunteer stuff. And, um, you know, my parents role modeled that for me. And I guess once I had done it, you, you, I couldn't really go back. And that was, that was actually what Stoney said when I met with him. He, and I, I, it was more, the reason I wanted to go back was, you know, obviously financially, but it, I understood it a little more <laughs> because I, that was my life's, that, that was my my language. You know, I, I always tell the joke, I went to First Tea and I was like, can I get that soft copy? Bank of America has all these like lingo things, you know, and people were um, at that work, they were like, it's paper, like they're teasing me, but it's paper, <laughs> it's soft copy, what are you talking about? And you just take for granted those nuances. And I was like, I just want to go back where I understand, you know, but, um, but I didn't really. And I think I knew that deep down because it just, it's more, it, once you've done the more meaningful thing, I think you're kind of going to be a, a life, a lifer. And, um, and I just, I feel fortunate that I'm able to do that. It's very rewarding. Amazing. It's very rewarding, um, way to live your life. And, you know, I think in today's world, th there's just so much yuck. Like it's so hard to find good news and things that are being celebrated and positivity that's so hard and so you know being able to do that with my career is is an incredible gift and I'm glad you asked me that question because it's it's helping me ruminate on it some too because you know when you do things when you work is hard no matter what it is <laughs> I mean it's it's, a, yeah. it's yeah. called work for a reason but <laughs> um but it but really I just I have such a fantastic team, an incredible board that's so supportive and really an amazing community that wants to support what we're doing and cares about our trees. We just want more people to care about our trees and yeah. yeah. So I feel I'm I'm a blessed person. That's that's how I feel.
that was Jane Myers, the executive director of Trees Charlotte. Now I'm gonna let her tell you all the best way to get involved and support Trees Charlotte. But as always, in our show notes, you can find all of their social media links and a link to their website. It's spreading the word, making people aware. Of course, we um, donations are fantastic because we're a nonprofit, so we have to raise money. But, but there's so many ways you can be engaged, and we uh, follow us on social media. You know, share things on social media. It's amazing how impactful that is in today's world. Our numbers are small relative to what we're trying to do from a followership. Um, signing up for the newsletter is our e-newsletter is critical because I think that's our primary way of communicating with people about whether it's a volunteer opportunity or or just we use it for education tree facts you know tree knowledge um, I think that's the best way to um, help us with our mission but become informed tell a friend follow us on your socials um, but sign up for our e-newsletter and e-newsletter and get involved with tree Charlotte we'd love it Thank you for listening to Building a Better World. Please make sure to subscribe on whatever listening platform you are on, share with your friends and family, and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.